0: I like to feel that my time and talent is always there for the people that need it.
1: Sabalo, welcome to the show, to Cape. We're very happy that you're tuning in and listening to the show on iTunes. Perhaps you've subscribed on iTunes. If you have not, you absolutely should. Thank you if you're watching the show on YouTube as well, which you should also subscribe. Video episodes go up every Wednesday. So, yes, please subscribe. Give a thumbs up. Share the show with a friend. We do appreciate it. This show is brought to you by Audible.com, the Internet's leading provider of digital audiobooks with over 180,000 titles across all genres. And just for you, listeners and viewers of Chris Avalo's podcast experiment, Audible.com is offering you a free audiobook download and a free 30-day trial so you can try out their service. And see what it's all about. I recommend you check out When I Left Home, the autobiography of Buddy Guy. Which he doesn't read, but that's okay because you're still hearing the story from him. It's still in the first person because it's an autobiography. So I recommend that for some pretty obvious reasons, which we're going to get to shortly. But uh, that is a title that's available from audible.com. And I do recommend it. So what you do to get your free audiobook download and your free 30-day trial is go to audibletrial.com slash cape and sign up. Get your free book. Get your free 30-day trial and enjoy. Put your smartphone to you. Listen, if you're an L.A. viewer or listener, how much time do we spend sitting in traffic? I mean, yeah, it's handy to have Spotify and satellite radio and all that stuff. But mm, if you want to feed your mind, if you want to put your smartphone... To better use, maybe put something new in your brain, hear a story, hear somebody else's story, hear a speech, hear a lesson, something, anything. Get the Audible app. I listen on my Audible app all the time. That's actually my preferred method of listening to books. I put my headphones in or I plug my phone into my car and listen to an audiobook, courtesy. Audible.com So check them out AudibleTrial.com Slash Cape Get your free book Get your free 30 day trial Check it out for yourself I'm a fan So I highly And fully Recommend it And I of course Would like to Welcome my co-host Miss Sherry Bass Hello Hello Sherry Welcome (laughs) back to the show
0: Thank you for having me
1: You may (laughs) notice There's a, a blue tint A bit On the The studio because We have one blue light on And uh, it's it's over here If you're watching the video It's to my right And that is for the The great BB King Who we're going to spend a little bit of time talking about And uh, who you heard a little bit of At the top of the show You must know that song Every Here's the thing about BB King Everybody knows his name And um, Sherry can sit back and relax and ruminate While I'm dominate the first few minutes talking about oh, all right. <laughs> B. B. King. um well I'm I'm not gonna be this this isn't a um biography of the man and I'm I'm just gonna talk about um in in very general terms. I do recommend everybody check out uh the documentary about BB King, the life of Riley, which obviously Riley is his his uh, original name, his actual legal name. Well actually maybe change it to BB at some point. Well regardless. He was born Riley King. So uh, The Life of Riley is a documentary. Uh, you can rent it digitally on basically anything. It's on Blu-ray and DVD as well. But you should be able to rent it through Amazon or Xbox or whomever. I it, It's recent, too. It It was released here last year. I think it may have come out in Europe in 2012, 2013, maybe. But it was released in the U.S. in 2014. Um, I watched it on demand through my cable provider last year. And uh, it was fascinating because... Here, the, he was the guy who basically started, or the well, not started the blues revolution. When when it comes to at least um, electric blues, a lot of people go to Robert Johnson as the first blues guitarist. Um, but when it comes to electric blues guitar, or just blues in general, I think the average person thinks BB King.
0: Yeah, he was the one who made it mainstream
1: for sure. And mm-hmm. the Thrill Is Gone was probably the first legitimate hit blues song. Right. And uh, even <laughs> it's kind of listening to, um, I mean, over the last couple of days, listening to some B.B. King stuff. That is a fairly 70s style song with like the, or the swelling orchestra in the back and everything. Even though it's, if you took that out, it would still, even with it in, it sounds like a B.B. King song. But, uh, you know, there's there's a, an emphasis on orchestral arrangements in the 70s right. <laughs> where everyone's like, that's what we need. That is absolutely what we need. Um, but everybody knows his name. And uh, as I posted on social media, you should absolutely know his music as well, because BB e. King Live at the Regal is a is an excellent crash course. The album I recommend everybody get, uh, no matter what. It's it's back ordered on all sites that sell CDs, of course. So I say get it digitally if you want to check it out, which you should want to check it out because it's awesome. It was uh, actually mandatory for me to get when I <laughs> when I took the uh, blues guitar elective at Musicians Institute. Which uh, was what I took my first quarter. Just um, to catch you up, if you're unfamiliar with the story, uh, when I started Musician's Institute in April of 2006, uh, as I am, I am a certified guitar player. Don't make a living playing music, but who does? Anyway, <laughs> right. I uh, I took the blues guitar elective my first quarter at school, which was great, and uh, that was the. There's something telling me there was another CD we were told to pick up. But off the top of my head, I can't remember. But B.B. King Live at the Regal was, you need to pick this, the teacher said, a gentleman by the name of Keith Wyatt, who is a bunch of instructional DVDs. I believe he still writes a blues column for Guitar World Magazine, monthly column uh, with like a monthly blues lesson. But anyway, uh, he was the teacher of the class, and he said, you need to pick up B.B. King Live at the Regal because not that you need to start there, but you you should just know it because it's that, classic of an album. Um, and it, it absolutely is. And uh, like, a, like a good student, I walked to Amoeba Records and picked it up and brought it home and uh, listened to it. And it was like, wow. Also because the stories, so he talks a little bit before the songs. He talks a little bit kind of in between, which is cool because it's, it's almost like a lesson in certain respects uh, with songs made up of two sets recorded at the, the Regal. And uh, yeah, jump on iTunes or Amazon or Google Play or whatever. If you actually, if you're going to go to Amazon, uh, Amazon, iTunes, and subscribe to this show, pick up BB King Live at the Regal because you should have it. If you're a fan of music, you should own it. If you hate music, don't buy it. <laughs> Let's go with that. If you hate music, don't buy BB King Live at the Regal. But otherwise, everyone should just because the, the music's great, the songs are great, the bands are oh, this band is smoking. They're so good, and it's not just one. That's the funny thing about. Um, blues, especially, which I realized as a white male, I shouldn't be talking to anybody about blues. But there's kind of a general assumption that it's just like a guy sitting there picking out a tune on an acoustic guitar, singing about something sad. But no, that was the thing about BB King was that his songs were upbeat, and a lot of them were in in major keys. Which is uh, without getting, I mean, I think everybody understands the major minor key concept, uh, even if you're not a musician. But I mean, major keys are, are more have a more uh, uplifting, a brighter sound to them, let's say. And uh, minor keys have a a sadder tone to them because the notes that make up the major and, and minor scales. And um, I'll never forget listening to, it was the uh, second track on the album, a song called Sweet Little Angel, uh, just hearing the opening to it. And I, it was the first, one of the first things I had to learn when I heard the CD, that I I heard and said, I need to learn how to play this, was uh, the the basically the first two measures of this uh, song here's i'm just going to play the beginning part for
0: you that just that at like ladies just those a few crazy? No, oh
1: freaking out
0: Panty droppers
1: totally <laughs> and f- playing five notes ultimately <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but it's and if you listen do it it doesn't sound it doesn't have a, a sad tonality to it it sounds very Happy like, listening to that. Because uh, he played a lot of songs in, in major keys. And that's what this... I think this is um, God D-flat major. I, I think. Maybe. If I'm wrong, I apologize. I'm just off, off the top of my head. I think it was something like D-flat. Uh, but I was like, wow, I need to learn how to play that. Just that little... Mm-mm-mm-mm. And then he hits the <laughs> triad. It was just so cool. And see, this is funny, too, because they couldn't really... Use a euphemism. Well, they had to use euphemisms because I couldn't get away with stuff back then. So listen to this, the first few lyrics to it.
0: I've got a sweet little angel. I love the way she spread her wings.
1: <laughs> and we all know what that means.
0: Right.
1: Right. Blue songs about sweet poontang, no. But that's uh, you know, this song wouldn't get played on the radio. Let's say otherwise, uh, they couldn't. No, now it's different when everything's got an right. advisory label on it. Over the last twenty years, and you can say whatever. There's going to be an edited version, but you're like you could put out a song that was explicit, whereas you know back in the day, not so much. So, um, I love that song though, I, and I love this this rendition of it anyway gonna play the whole thing, but uh that is a version from Life at the Regal, and you all need to get on it. Now, I should also mention that uh in a in an indirect way, B.B. King is responsible for me being here right now. Well, what the hell does that mean?
0: Oh really? Yeah,
1: like well, how is you doing a show in in downtown Los Angeles? How does what does that have to do with with BB King? Well I'll tell you. Let me I'll tell you about this bizarre voodoo math that or uh, B.B. King contributes to me uh, doing a weekly show the, uh, If you're unaware of the story Which I'm going to assume you are B.B. Uh, King's club in Times Square on 42nd Street Is one of two venues where I've seen the most concerts It's there and Maxwell's in Hoboken, New Jersey And uh, I've been to a ton of shows there Incidentally, first concert I saw at B.B. King's Blues Club was Buddy Guy because nice. friends of mine had seen him over the summer at, um, I think it was actually B.B. King's Blues Festival or something like that. I think it was summer of 2001, which was at the uh, at the Art Center back in New Jersey. And uh, they said Buddy Guy was amazing. B.B. King, they were less than impressed by because he just, he sat on the stool and played songs and they were just, mm, they weren't really as moved by it whereas Buddy Guy's all energy and still is. I haven't seen him in a couple of years, but he's, that dude's got a ton of energy and he's endlessly entertaining live. That blew me away when I saw him. Even having seen rock and metal shows, I was like, this dude's a showman. <laughs> I mean, he's an amazing guitar player, but he's a showman through and through. It's everybody needs to go see Buddy Guy live in concert, please do. And um, I'd been to see, uh, the, uh, the first concert I'd been to there was uh, Buddy Guy. And I've seen Buddy Guy almost every time he's come around since, wherever I've been living. I've gotten to see him. And saw a bunch of shows at BB King. Saw Edwin McCain, The Proclaimers, um, The Smithereens, bunch of bands. Um, but most importantly, a faithful night, fate, faithful, faithful night. <laughs> in um, 2003, May of 2003, I went and saw a band known as Yellow Matter Custard. Uh, what does that mean? Beatles fanatics will recognize that as a lyric from I'm the Walrus, but it was a Beatles tribute concert, which was organized by Mike Portnoy, former, but at the time current, drummer for Dream Theater. And he was doing a Beatles tribute show because the Modern Drummer Workshop was coming up. Yeah, Sherry, being a drummer, nodding her head in agreement. She's like, hell yeah, the Modern Drummer Workshop was <laughs> coming I
0: excited. Up. I know, that. Mike Portnoy
1: is. Uh, Drummers, no drummers. I will say that when it comes to musicians. Drummers, no drummers, regardless of what. They play, That's right. what type of music they play. I will say more so than any other, um, any other instrument I've come across and calling drums and instruments generous. I'm kidding. Just kidding. Guitar player jokes. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Stupid musician jokes, Chris. Tell your fucking story. Anyway. <laughs> so, uh, this show featured, uh, Mike I was a, a huge dream theater fan at the time. Neil Morse, who was in Spock's Beard and also has a solo career. Uh, Matt Bissonette, who is a bass player who's played on basically everybody's albums, uh, session player. And uh, I believe he's toured live with a bunch of people, too. And uh, one of my favorite guitarists of all time, Paul Gilbert on guitar, who I never seen play live. And I said, I I need to see this show. And I wasn't I didn't know as much of the Beatles as as my friends who I went with. But um, it that show changed. My life in the respect of that, after seeing Paul Gilbert play that night, specifically play While My Guitar Gently Weeps, which is, for my money, the best version of that ever. Blasphemy, I know, especially coming from <laughs> Beatles purists. But um, I'm sure you can find the video maybe on YouTube or something, folks, if you want to look it up and uh, watch the solo for yourself. It's insane and amazing. Uh, basically, I was like, oh, my God, because I'm playing in band. Actually, at the time, I wasn't in a band. Uh, my most recent band had fallen apart, so I thought, man, I-, I need to learn everything about this guy. I tend to fixate on people. When I'm really, really into a band or a musician, I need to get everything of theirs and learn everything about them. So I uh, found out, in short, uh, Paul Gibbert went to a school called Musicians Institute in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I looked into that and saw what that was about, requested a catalog, spoke to an admissions counselor, and I was like, I'm really interested in this place. Flew out to Hollywood in June of 2004, stayed at the Highland Gardens Hotel and uh, did a little visit to the, to the school To check out the campus and everything that was there And um, at that point I was sold and made plans to come out here And with coming out here And attending and graduating from Musicians Institute And then uh, moving back home Ultimately coming out to California in the first place Is what brought me back out here now And here I am Doing a show Not to say the band couldn't have played in another venue Other than BB Kings In New York, I'm sure they could have But For the sake of argument, B.B. King is partially responsible in an indirect way for me being here. Mm -hmm. And um, it's like we said before, everybody knows who he is. When if you say blues music or blues guitar, people are going to think he's going to be the first person that comes to mind for the majority of people, for the average person. Right. And you and I were kind of, uh, Sherry, you and I were somewhat consoling each other the other night.
0: Yeah. It was. It was late.
1: It was. He was in uh, Nevada. He was in hospice in Nevada. In
0: yeah.
1: Yeah. So uh, it was. It was pretty late. So a lot of other areas didn't hear about it. You know, like the East Coast, um, the UK. It would have been very early in the morning when it was announced. I think it was close to midnight here that they um, made it public that uh, he passed away.
0: Right. It's funny because I hardly go on Twitter, and that was the first place where I saw it. So I was like, oh no. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: And I know. That's sad.
0: I mean, but 89, that's a long time to live.
1: I'll take 89.
0: Okay. <laughs> I will. Right? T- Seriously,
1: like, that's, that's <laughs> a good run. I mean, even I remember, I think, um, I was 16 when Frank Sinatra died. I think it was 82 or 83. Yeah. I think it was right, right around the anniversary of when he died, too. That's another um, one. Another yeah, and he was. Did you
0: know that 80, was B.B. King's favorite singer of all
1: time? I didn't know that. Yeah. That is interesting. <laughs> I, you know it's funny singers tend to be um not to get on too much of attention but i know a lot of singers who are divided on frank sinatra they're like doesn't have a great voice but some people say yeah but it's how he sings the songs yeah, it's not so much the vo- yeah, yeah totally. it's the delivery mm-hmm. not so much like he had a tremendous range or anything like that it's just how he sung those songs
0: right
1: what emotion yeah <laughs> yeah just just that that performance that delivery is like that's what really stands out to people, but some people hate it. Some singers I know get really snobby about it. I can be kind of snobby when it comes to music too, but
0: yeah, we pick and choose.
1: Yeah, we do. Don't we? Uh, anyway, so <laughs> you heard about it. What aside from texting me, what was your your kind of response?
0: I was really sad when I first thought about it because I, as I was telling you the other night, um, growing up, that's what my parents listened to. I should say my dad most most likely because um, they grew up in the South in Louisiana where blues is very dominant, especially out there. Oh, for sure. Blues especially, and jazz. The,
1: especially when they grew up.
0: Right, exactly. So, And especially in that era during the 50s and 60s. So, mm. um, growing up, I was used to my dad and his buddies playing dominoes and listening to B.B. King. <laughs> nice. <laughs> or Bobby Blue Band or something. So, it, it, it was kind of an emotional attachment. And, I, and my dad kind of looks like B.B. B. King a lot. He's, really? Yeah, he's a little skinnier now. But <laughs> back in the day when he had a little meat on his bones, he was... Very similar to. So that's interesting. Yeah, that's why
1: I, I got kind of sad. I
0: was like, oh no, that's so sad.
1: Yeah. Like a, it's a, kind of a piece of childhood for you. Yeah. Because you're used to hearing it. I mean, totally. My parents, I don't know if they have necessarily any BB B. King, right? I'm sure I have more than they do, but I have more music than they do, period. And even stuff they listen to, I probably own more of because I'm just, a, I'm a freak. But yeah, it was actually kind of, <laughs> I got a call from my father early, what was it? Thursday, I think. That no, it, it came tell- out, was it? Oh. No, I'm oh, trying yeah. to remember what day it was. He <laughs> oh, it, it, was he, like- he passed away. I think it was Thursday. Oh, yeah. And um, Friday morning, when I turned on my phone, when I got up in the morning, because, you know, father's in New Jersey, three hours ahead, mm-hmm. and an early morning message, him just leave me a quick, like, my condolences, her BB King passed away.
0: Because, oh, <laughs> you know, oh, my parents you know, know I'll be like, Ugh.
1: <laughs> yeah, I told uh, my
0: dad, he was like, oh no. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Is that how he sounds? Yeah, just like that. Like oh cr- no.
1: <laughs> like an old black cartoon <laughs> <Yeah>. character. <laughs> <Yeah>. Oh, Lord. <laughs> right. We done lost another one.
0: Right. Exactly. Uh, you know those crows from Dumbo? Ooh, we wouldn't go there. Uh, yeah, I was, yeah, yeah, super it was, it racist. Sometimes. You <laughs> <sometimes. I swear. laughs> can get there. <laughs> yeah.
1: Anyway. <laughs> wow. So I, sad. I, I'm not even going to repeat any it of is. that because it's wildly <laughs> insensitive. But yes, the from Dumbo, everybody knows that. <laughs>
0: well, I say, I say. Yeah,
1: no, but he was really I've never sad. seen an elephant <laughs> fly. Uh, wow. I know I'm kind of exclaiming a lot, but it's, it, you know, because I follow a lot of music blogs. I subscribe to a lot of guitar-oriented sites, uh, newsletters, mm-hmm. and that's all anyone's been talking about. And there was a um, a pretty somber video that Eric Clapton recorded and posted on yeah. his Facebook page which That's I watched brilliant. and it's like oh, which was crazy to think even for me who wasn't Well, it's weird to say he wasn't alive during the peak of BB King's popularity because he, I'm sure he grew in popularity as time went on more people know who oh, he yeah. is now. more people knew who he was a week ago let's mm-hmm. put it that way when he was alive I'm mean, everybody knows now because whenever somebody dies it's in the news it's like oh my god mm-hmm. so, So everybody knows who he is now, but a week ago or even before he, you know, was in the news that he was um, hospitalized or was being treated or was um, his health was um, in less than great shape. I think uh, he's probably more popular now than he ever has been. But anyway, it's it it was really um, to to hear from people like him, uh, but a guy who was his best friend. You know, and that's what Buddy guy posted a great message on, on his Facebook page. Probably his official site as well, but I saw a lot of these through through posts on Facebook. And um, Azizi Top as well. Billy Gibbons wrote a little something. And it's a lot of that stuff circulating, which, especially for the people who interacted with him, just, I mean, even for the for the sake of, um, just because I thought, you know, usually I have a piece of movie dialogue or something that opens the show. And I thought, well, I might as well start and end, hint, hint, with a little, little quote from, BB uh, King, which by the way, I took from the audio there's um PBS digital Studios does a series called i'm drawing a <laughs> I think it's called blank on blank. I was about to say I'm drawing a blank and that mm-hmm. kind of uh, reminded me of it um where they do videos they take interviews that are um, public interviews, I believe in the in a a public archive and then do um digital animations to them All right. And I did check out uh, that video, BB uh, King on the Blues, Blank on Blank, which is um, PBS Digital Studios did that. Uh, so if you look for Blank on Blank, BB King, they have them for Robin Williams and Maya Angel. They have them for a bunch of people. Um, sadly, most of them who, who have passed away. But this BB King one is uh, from when he was still alive. Mm-hmm. But I heard this interview and I thought, oh, this is a while ago and thought it was really cool and thought that quote about, you know, my music will be there from when, when people need it. And it is. You know, it's, it's always going to be there. And the, the thing is, uh, as you and I were lamenting the other night, you know, nobody really knows or looks into these people until they're gone. Right. And it's like, oh my gosh, I just, I can't believe, and you know, it's so, you know, it's so sad they're gone. Or some people say, oh, wow, look what I missed. I mean, I'm glad I saw him once in concert. I saw him live at uh, the Kodak Theater, which it, it was circa 2007, early January, 2007. And uh, I'm wearing my t-shirt that I got from that concert, yeah. which has 2006 uh, tour dates. <laughs> On the back because I think he had like a handful of dates in 2007 and I guess it wasn't worth printing another t-shirt. But whatever, I got this t-shirt. And even the pose is, is great too. <laughs> but I'm glad I saw him live once, even though it was the only time. And even then he was, let's see, he was 89. So he would have been 82 at yeah. the time because I believe his birthday is uh, later in the year. He's just, just shy of 90 at this point. And um, even then I was just like, wow, I'm so glad I'm seeing like a living legend in concert. A bonafide legend, because that gets tossed around a lot, the, especially the word like epic gets thrown around like crazy. Right, legend, no. same thing. But he actually is a legitimate legend who's been around for decades and decades. I mean, it's got to be Christ, 70 years or so. He's <laughs> had singles out and Pretty been recording. Much. And yeah. It's crazy, isn't it? And still put out records all the time and still toured all the time.
0: All the time. Crazy. Until he got sick. Can't do it
1: anymore. Yeah. Man. Yeah. What it's it? a sad. I mean, but again, eighty nine is a good run, so nobody can really say anything about you know. Own for it. It's 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 a tragedy. It's a loss for sure, huge loss. And uh, as expected, all his CDs are backordered everywhere. Actually, we were at uh, Amoeba Music, the uh, aforementioned Amoeba Music, (laughs) the other day, and I thought I just want to look at the BB King section to see if there's even anything left. And and there were Mm, there were yeah we were shocked.
0: Well, I mean that it was just fresh.
1: I think oh totally. I'm sure they they had everything. That they had on hand, like UCDs and everything, handy to keep refilling the. I think it was two rows that they had, mm-hmm. um, which was great. I mean, look if, aside from uh, live at the Regal, I do recommend everybody get There's uh, there's a two disc collection called BB King Gold, which you can get for probably about ten bucks, which is an you know authorized uh, release from I believe Geffen Records from pretty much his entire career. Oh, Eric Clapton. That's what I was saying before. Uh, it's crazy to think that his as. Huge as he is, his highest charting album was, I believe, number three for the album he did with Eric Clapton in two thousand one. Yeah, Riding with the King. Riding with the King. I mean, that was huge to have two legends recording an album together. (laughs) Because a lot of times that doesn't happen at all, and if it does, it kind of feels like maybe a little bit past its time. Or same thing like with movie stars, Mm -hmm. where they're like, "Oh, these two should be in a movie together," and then maybe it'll happen when they're eventually, when no one's as interested. Like The Escape Plan with Stallone and Schwarzenegger, which I enjoyed, but just the same. If it came out 20 years earlier, it would have been the biggest movie of all time. But uh, anyway, that was a great album, and that peaked at number three. So um, I put out on social media the other day. Everybody buy Live at the Regal, and let's give the man a number one album because we should. He should have one. I mean, his sales are going to go through the roof, and it's uh, you know one of the things we were talking about the other day. It's sad that everybody soaks in all this stuff. After somebody has already gone right. or they'll say, man, I wish. And that was one of the things I kept telling myself, especially after seeing him live. I thought, man, I, I should take my parents to go see him. That would be so great. Because I've been to see Buddy Guy with my father twice. Once out here at the Greek, actually, which nice. you were salivating.
0: Yeah. We were talking about it. Amazing.
1: Yeah, we, we spoke about it the other day and it was uh, Buddy Guy opening. Mm-hmm. In the middle was Dr. John and headlining was George Thurgood. So that was insane. I can't believe they were playing a venue as small as the Greek. Greek's maybe 3,000 people.
0: Yeah. Love it. I mean. If that, yeah.
1: Yeah, if that. Mm-hmm. It's it's not a big but a nice outdoor, I don't know if you'd be considered probably not an amphitheater because it's too small, but a nice outdoor theater. It was a really, really cool venue. Everybody around here knows, or it's, I'm sure a lot of concert albums and DVDs have been re- recorded at the Greek at some point. Regardless, uh, that was an amazing show. And I'm so glad because it happened to work with my father was coming out here. I thought, oh, I'm going to get tickets. We're going to go see the show because we've been to see Buddy Guy at Starland Ballroom in New Jersey. And he was he was blown away. I was not a huge blues fanatic, but he knows he knows good music for sure. And he was big. I I didn't find this out till I was well into being a teenager that he was in. Well, his it was records and eight tracks that he had mostly eight tracks, which I mean, (laughs) long term, not as wise an investment. Well, as vinyl records. School, right? <laughs> but he had cases of them he used to keep in his car. And when he bought his brand new 68 GTO, oh, it had an 8-track built in from the factory. So he would pop his 8-tracks <laughs> in the stair totally. And uh, ride around listening to to 8-tracks. Um, but he did listen to some blues and jazz stuff. Not as much into, uh, let's say, rock and roll, like 50s rock and roll. I mean, certainly uh, liked it, but wasn't as into it. I was surprised when I saw it. But um, Jazz 8 tracks he had, stuff I would later get him on CD, like um, so Tony Matola and West Montgomery and, and guys like that. So it was totally within his range to be like, well oh, let's go see Buddy Guy. It'll be great. And again, another living legend. So I said, Absolutely. we need to go see this show. This is going <laughs> to be great. And I'd already seen him a bunch of times. So I would have gone anyway. And uh, he loved it. So uh, everybody needs to go see Buddy Guy, by the way. He's a few years younger than B.B. King and, and in good health. But <laughs> if Buddy Guy's coming around, don't. B.B.
0: King uh, had diabetes.
1: He oh, did. So he did. Almost an imba- well, I don't know, ambassador might be exaggerating, but almost an ambassador for diabetes since he was diagnosed right, with yeah. it. He's been.
0: He was in commercials. Totally.
1: Since like 1989. I mean, <laughs> I remember seeing him in, in commercials for um, diabetes, uh, what, test strips or testing units or what have you. Yeah. Or, or call a number in the, he wasn't as aggressive as Wilford Brimley who was like, no, I got diabetes. So you need to call this number. <laughs> right. So he was, <laughs> he was a little more mellow than Wilford Brimley was. Um, Even though Wilfer Brimley, as we all know, had the better mustache. But uh, just the same. Yeah. Had to love B.B. Uh, King. And even then, like, you may have known him. See, Wilfer Brimley, people only know from that. You enjoying my <laughs> Wilfer Brimley impression? In the booth, they're just getting a lot of laughs for uh, everybody. That's the funny thing. See, nobody looks at Wilfer uh, Brimley. Nobody looks at B.B. King and says, like, oh, the guy from the diabetes commercial. Right. Everybody does that for Wilfer Brimley. Oh, the guy from the diabetes commercial. Or the Quaker Oats guy. Exactly. <laughs> Oh, so, B.B. King is one uh, between him and Wilford Brimley. But Wilford Brimley is one of the best mustaches in the business, so can't deny I that. I can't he's disagree part of the, with that. He's part of the trinity, <laughs> the holy trinity of mustaches, at least in my other look. two? Sam Elliott, mm-hmm. who has a great mustache, and is in a lot of westerns for that, and The Voice, too. Okay. And uh, Tom Selleck.
0: I was about
1: to say. You, you can't my, deny my. the Tom Selleck mustache. <laughs> Especially you, <laughs> <laughs> we were, you were kind of swooning at the movie of me when oh. you saw the uh, the Magnum box. If it was set.
0: the '80s, man, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> Even now, he <laughs> yeah, doesn't yeah. look like he's
1: aged yeah. too much.
0: Some of them get older in well, like fine wine, more distinguished.
1: Is Tom Selleck one? Would you throw him one if he were to if he knocked on the door right now? We're like, hey, everybody, surprise <laughs> guest! It's Tom Selleck. Would you? What mm, do
0: you think? Let I me mean, like, make him be my sugar daddy, something like that.
1: I could respect that.
0: Yeah. yeah, I have no problem with okay. that. <laughs> That's so. This sounds so bad.
1: <sighs> well, I mean, I'm just not out here. Out here. <laughs> it's par for the course in Los Angeles. What's that? Younger girl, older guy. Okay. <laughs> yeah. No. Let's. He us get it. Pretend. I
0: guess.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, if he's asking. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, any any more thoughts you have about uh, about BB King?
0: Yeah. I, oh, I was going to say that he was very humble and that was another thing like yes. i didn't buy a lot of his cd's but i always watched documentaries or concerts from him and um it, i think bono in the documentary you were talking about yes. said one of the um greatest co- quotes about him um he said he's his hardest critique and he's like i think the only person who doesn't like bb B. king is bb king and that speaks volumes for that because I mean, he was amazing. He was talented. He was sweet, and everybody loved him. do I, oh, I don't yeah. think you. Heard, I mean, you know, he was a ladies' man too. So I
1: didn't. Um. Fa- that was one of the things I read. Fathered between eight and fifteen children. Aye, aye, aye. I know. Ooh. Better. I mean, hey, you know what? Good for him. That's road Tank poon. Tank. Road poon. Mm-hmm. That's that's the name of the game. <laughs> that's now. That's yeah. the kind. That's the story we want to hear. I haven't read his autobiography. He wrote one as well. Mm-hmm. Um, haven't read it. Should read it. It's one of those that I keep telling myself, I need to read that. And unfortunately, since there is an audio version available on Audible.com, haven't cheated and listened to it. No, there's nothing <laughs> wrong with that. I'm just kidding. It's not cheating, folks. It's however you get your information. It's fine. But uh, yeah, he has an autobiography that was released, I think, in the 90s. I'm not sure. But I looked, I mean, now, like everything, back ordered, can't get it. So I'm going to have to wait a little bit to catch up on that. But um, one of the things you were talking about, too, is that you were saying, I believe you said you were talking about it with your father, how all the... We've been losing a lot of legends.
0: Yeah. Percy Sledge. Mm. Winter Man. I'm not going to finish that. <laughs> Benny That's King. Woman. Yeah.
1: Just a few weeks ago. Yeah. BB King. BB King. That's crazy. Well, it's funny too, because I was thinking about it. Because all the guys I, well, anyone I grew up listening to, mm-hmm. uh, let's say the the classic rock guys from 70s, early 80s, they're all in their 60s now. I know. Which is it's weird crazy. to think about. Wow, these these guys have been around for so. Because the music is not that you always had this picture of them. I mean, a lot of the music was before my time. Right. Not as if I always think of them as just like what that guy's. You know, he's twenty nine. He's not gonna. You know, he's not. No, he's sixty seven now. It's not weird as far as the math adds up,
0: right.
1: but it's just strange to think. Wow, these dudes are. Because you wouldn't have thought of you know one of my favorite singers Sammy Hagar. I believe he's sixty seven. Right. And he's still out, you know, doesn't do nearly as many shows as he used to or, or large-scale tours, but, I mean, it's, it still is out there singing. I mean, I saw him in 2012.
0: Right. Well, I was born in the late 80s, and my faves are, like, Prince. He's, like, 53, so you know, he <laughs> can still crawl and roll on the floor. Um, Trent Reznor is another good one of mine, um, faves of mine. Um, he's, like, in his 50s now, or yeah. he just turned
1: 50. Even the grunge guys are staring down middle right. age now. It's and crazy, it's like, right? What?
0: Yeah, I was watching the Nirvana doc, or the Kurt Cobain doc the other day, mm-hmm. and just to see Chris, the bassist, um, he had no hair. I was like, what? And he was like, gray, mm-hmm. like gray. So that shocked me. I was yeah. Like, oh, shit. I'm getting old. They're getting old. But
1: Time keeps on slipping. <laughs> right. <laughs> slipping. Oh, wait. Yeah. But it's it's funny to think, and, and that's another cool thing is that there's um there was never a sense that there would be any kind of uh, retirement for somebody like BB King. Right. He just kept going out on the road, kept doing albums. I mean I couldn't tell you when his last album was to be honest. Two thousand
0: and eight.
1: See, that's still yeah, not bad. That, yeah. I mean it's still dude's in his mid eighties. Yeah. So he was eighty four ish, let's say, when the album came out. Mm-hmm. Come on. <laughs> still Pretty working at eighty four. I think that's honestly I've talked about this before as well but I think it's what keeps people going. When you look at people like Betty White in her 90s, yes. and she's still working and I think it's having that or Shatner's in his 80s, you know, there're a lot of people you can look at and and say like well they're always doing something. They have a reason to get up. They have a reason to keep going. Whereas you know the average guy dies within like four years after retirement because you right. know, it's like there's nothing to do, do or there's there's nothing lighting a fire under him. Whereas if you keep working or you keep doing stuff or like BB King kept going on the road was always playing live, then you have a reason to keep, keep going. So the concept of like retiring, I mean, people retire from music all the time. Sure. Or just entertainment in general. But the, the idea of like retiring, it's like, no, what that, what, what was he going to do? going to work in a home Depot on the weekends. <laughs> no. It's just kind of a weird, or like a, a sandwich shop, sitting at the register on a stool. Actually, be kind of funny thinking about it, wearing a vest. Can you imagine walking in BB King's at the register at Subway, a little visor on?
0: I would be so happy. That would, yeah,
1: somebody, if somebody's Photoshop savvy, please send that in. <laughs> podcast at gmail.com or tweet at Capepod and send it to us. Because it'd be funny, BB King sitting behind a register at Subway. It's just like, oh, you're retired now, BB? Oh, yeah, well.
0: I imagine him more of a Walmart
1: greeter. But, you know. Because he was old? That's ageist.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding. We all know
1: this. Yeah, because he's happy. (laughs) Had nothing to do with his age. No, nothing at all. (laughs) Hey, um, we're going to change the subject a little bit now because uh, BB King obviously will be missed and uh, more people way more educated than I am. will have more to say about it. But um, every guitar player owes him a debt, hands down. As one, I can say that's absolutely true because there's more, he's had more influence and reached more people and influenced more people that you would, well, you don't even need to narrow him down. All of them. <laughs> he did R. for R. as long B. as he's B. been B. around. He... Yes, yeah. yes, you will be missed. BB <laughs> King, truly a legend and uh, such a shame. Honestly, really is a shame. But I mean, a shame that we lost him. Great that he was around for 89 years. Great that millions got to see him play live. And uh, he was great. He was great when I saw him. He was awesome live, so very, very happy about that. Anyway, let's talk about something else that's been sweeping social media, which has been annoying me. I don't want your opinion as a woman. Okay. That's not why I brought you in here. Mm. But while you're here, let's talk. What is the deal with the dad bod?
0: (laughs) The dad bod is purely because of Leonardo DiCaprio.
1: Yeah, I, uh, you think? Uh, oh, I'm yes. sorry. You, uh, <laughs> let's hear your two cents, and I'll I'll lay my.
0: I didn't roll hear of about the bad bod thing until Leo started doing it with uh, Bob on his head, and you know, I was thing oh. on the beach with lovely model ladies, and people say, "Hey, if he can do it, I can do it too." And so, yeah, that started that trend. Mm, I
1: mean, <laughs> that's the funniest part, though, because Leonardo DiCaprio. And uh, who else, be, people are pointing to, um, I don't want to say paunchy guys, but guys who aren't like, um, guys who aren't fit. I, I'm right. not super fit, but like like Adam Levine is a yoga body, so you wouldn't say him, like he's fit dude. No. Um, but let's say like um, Seth Rogen, or mm-hmm. um, like James Corden, you know, he's on TV now, he's a dude who's not right. like super in shape, not a dude who's in shape, which is fine, he's A-shape, but um, yeah, none of these people have kids, though. They're not dads. So the whole dad bod thing doesn't make sense. And it's like, a, it's. I feel like guys are going to use it as a pass to continue to just be lazy schlubs.
0: Totally. That's, I mean, if that's women concerns did that, me. no. We, they would be like, yes. hey, you need to fix your body. Like, Who's a good
1: example of that? Well, it's there was um I mean there was a great piece on the on the Daily Show about it. Unsurprisingly, uh, the other day, oh, which yes, I would, yes, yes. when you talked about coming on the show, I thought I'm going to ask her about this because she's a woman, so she'd know better than me, <laughs> or at least maybe you can tell me. Well, you haven't exactly told me. Is there is there a reason for the attraction? Because it's not mm. just because like Leo's the guy. It's like well, Leo you know needs to look good for film, and he's not working right now, so he can let himself go.
0: I think in this time period in 2015. Um, everybody is so sensitive about everything, whether it be about race or gender, and now, of course, weight, you know. Um, and so I think people try to force, not to say that because I got a little meat on my bones, um, being overweight or being average size is a bad thing because it absolutely is not. Um, but I think that people are so worried about wanting that to become the norm that we create these weird social media scenarios to compensate that. And I think, oh, Leo, like for instance, being Leonardo Cabrio, um, being having the dad bod, if he can do it, then I can too. That makes it great. It makes it a norm. And people enjoy that, you know? Mm. So they don't have to look like Adam Levine
1: or have to look like I don't know. Uh, insert dude with six-pack. Quick... Uh, right. Uh, Channing Tatum. Channing Tatum. Just magic my posters <laughs> are all around yeah. town. <laughs>
0: Sorry. <laughs> oh, really? No, no. Ah, the face, not so much. The body.
1: Yeah. Okay, so I, I put a, a... Channing Tatum shows up, knocks on the door, bag on his head, no shirt on. Hmm. Does he stand a better chance than Tom Selleck? No. No, you still go for Tom Selleck? I
0: still go for Tom Selleck.
1: Because you can see the mustache?
0: The mustache. Because you know
1: it's under that bag. You and know.
0: he's more masculine to me. I don't know. Really? I mean, yeah.
1: Is it the mustache? I mean Or is it just No, a,
0: just as a, is he's a, dude a dude's who's seen dude. some stuff. He's well, a
1: dude's dude. That's true. He solved crimes in Hawaii. Chain like Tatum just
0: as somebody who dance for
1: me. That's it. I
0: mean, <laughs> you know, you can go down to Hollywood men down the street and
1: uh Really, I wouldn't know. <laughs> I'll take your word on it. Yeah. But,
0: well, I, I mean there's a strip club for women called Hollywood Men where you can go and see
1: Men dancing around.
0: Men dance like magic Mike.
1: Well, that that was actually interesting. A few weeks ago, I saw there was How would a- How I know that? Pulp. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I assume you, it, it was a pop-up ad or something. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> anyway, um, there was a, a survey done. It was in a, I believe it was a British magazine mm-hmm. that was posted on their website. <laughs> and I, I, somebody reposted it or whatever. And it was, um they were talking about the ideal, all the ideal parts for a guy. Mm-hmm. And it was actually- Gerard Butler's face was was the expected ideal. Gerard Butler's face, I forget whose abs, and legs and arms and everything else. Mm-hmm. And um, the ideal for face was actually James Gordon and the body was more of like an average guy. That. Yeah. And I thought, oh, that is kind of interesting. I mean, I don't think that's a surprise that women would prefer a guy who's more average. I mean, I, I don't... I, I'm making a very, very broad generalization but I wouldn't think women want a guy who's super fit unless they're super into fitness as well. Right. Because I think there's a comparison, I think. Because women judge well, other women so harshly and and size each other up so much. Like, we, women do that I to each absolutely other. Absolutely. I that. think in a relationship, partners would do that to, like, a woman do that with a guy just like, he's so fit, and I'm just not. I don't think they would be as into a dude who's fit.
0: No, you're all right. That's why I picked For Tom I Selleck sure. over Jane Tatum. That, that's not my type of guy I'm interested in but um, I don't know but that being said in the same instance let's flip this around why do guys go to strip clubs then if they end up getting with the average woman why would they expect to go see a naked girl with big titties Mm -hmm. and you know size zero
1: waist I got this okay you want to know why yeah guys like titties done
0: (laughs) that's it it doesn't matter who they're attached to go on like thickums I call them thickums. What's the big s- girl's thickums? Yeah, <laughs> With a little meat on her bones. Hashtag thickums. So, if she has big titties, will it be the same thing, or would Guys, some guys will be like, no. It's like, can I what? tell a
1: really funny story?
0: Yeah, go for
1: it. <laughs> it better be it's, funny. It's too. a short. <laughs> yeah, it's a short story. Um, a co-worker of mine, a year like over a decade ago. Uh, he had a former coworker of his at the job he was at before we worked together. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a skinny black dude. And he was always going out with these, uh, from the description, these overweight white women. Mm-hmm. and uh, But just like not curvy, like what, what you say, curvy or whatever what the current uh, euphemism is today. <laughs> but it's just like, no, he's like these women. Were, and I even said that, like just like bigger girls, like no, overweight women. And uh, <laughs> he said one day he finally. One day he finally asked him, you know hey, you know you're always going with these girls like what what is it what is it about them that you're so into?" And he said, dude, just had a big smile and said, "I love big titties <laughs> 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 and that's it it's as simple as that for some guys. It doesn't matter what they're attached to. they don't need to be oranges strapped to a toothpick. they can be just i don't know titties of all sizes and shapes I say." <laughs> it's true. You know, as a lifelong practicing heterosexual, yes. <laughs> um, but t- see, in the same way, a w- like women will go see Magic Mike and look at um, Channing Tatum and Joe. I can never pronounce his last name right. The dude Marciano. from True Blood. What? Mm-hmm. What? What is it? I was about to butcher it. Marciano? Man- Man- like- Mangianello? Mangianello? Or yeah, such. we were Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Cheyenne, you don't need to look up the pronunciation. So <laughs> <laughs> go to dictionary.com where they sound it out for you. <laughs> right, everybody knows the dude I'm talking The dude who's with Sofia Vergara. Yes. There we go. Uh, they, they're they happy to watch Which is fine It's it's the eye candy thing. Totally like They want to look at it But it's not it's like It's a fantasy. It is. And same thing for guys With strippers I don't know any guys Who have pursued Relationships with strippers oh, Shoot I have With strippers? Yeah what, women? I or have, dudes
0: I know some dudes Who've pursued Some strippers Really?
1: Yeah I mean they need love too Look, nothing wrong with that. I'm all for supporting single moms. I have no problem with strippers. I'm just saying, and college students, the, the stripper myth, right. they're college students. I'm saving to go to med school. No, you're not. No, you're not. You're young and cute, and you want to make a lot of money on a nightly basis. Right. I understand. It's fine. It's a curse of the hot girls. They're stuck. And then when the looks start to fade and they have no skills, then it's, well, now what? Anyway. What are we talking about? Yeah, dadbot. Oh, you know what's funny too, mm-hmm. because this popped up, and um, I was I was kind of surprised because uh, you and I saw Mad Max last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we went to um, an early screening, which was fun, yeah. and I I loved them. I thought the movie was great, and I saw it a second time uh, this weekend actually, and enjoyed it even more the second time. But really, really cool movie, and apparently, there's a a. <laughs> A men's rights group that's upset or making a big fuss online about the fact that it's a feminist movie.
0: Right. (laughs) It's like, shut
1: up. Well, (laughs) a men's rights group, and I am a man, so I can can say something bad about it because I'm a man too, but a, a men's rights group sounds kind of stupid. How many guys are sitting there just like, men have it so hard in this... Co-. Like, men in general. I'm not talking color. I'm not talking race, mm. religion, nothing. Just that men's rights group, right, which is right. how I read it. I don't remember what the group was. I didn't give a, enough of a fuck to even look it up because I thought, this is stupid. <laughs> so I'm going to make my own assumptions like any good host would. So just the fact that they were like, it's a feminist movie. It's, why? Because there's a, there's a man who's keeping all these people under his power, some would say as slaves, and this group of women who he uses to breed... Who right. are trying to escape and are being let out by a woman who's badass. So what? It's not as history is riddled with men who have fucked things up for entire right. groups of people. So let's not act like they just pulled this out of thin air.
0: Well, see, that's what I was saying. Everybody's so sensitive now. Yeah. About movies and I mean, think about it. Blazing Saddles, Mel Brooks, nineteen seventy four. Uh-huh. You could not release that movie right now. No. No. No way. I not even think about it. Something
1: else we talked about even more recently from the late nineties. Um, don't be a menace to South Central while uh, drinking your juice in the hood. Right. Could <laughs> never be made today. No. Because there's too many <laughs> reps, there's too many first of all, too many black guys getting shot, even if it's by other black like characters uh, oh, like holding up guns to each other. It it couldn't it couldn't happen now. No, nope. because everybody would be too offended because everybody's in a in a, a victim mode. Everybody's waiting to be offended by something or to jump on a, a social media bandwagon. That's true. Which is stupid mm-hmm. because it's like people just want to they just want to be on the right side of an argument. They don't actually care. No, no nobody is actually offended by any of this stuff. But even that, a movie from, I don't know, eighteen years ago, couldn't exist now. Because no. people would be like, this misrepresents it's like it's written as a parody to these other movies which had all these stereotypes in it. And written and performed by black actors, so you know they're poking fun at a a segment of their culture. What's wrong with that? And yeah, same thing. Blazing House would never, barely got made back then, forty years ago, <laughs> barely got made. Probably wouldn't have gotten made if they didn't have Richard Pryor on the writer. About to say that, yeah,
0: Richard Pryor. If I it mean, wasn't for
1: him. Well, and even that's kind of a weird thing. Which um, a- another thing about sensitivity, like, could Richard Pryor have a career in two thousand fifteen? If it's Absolutely a dude not. getting started out, I don't think so.
0: Hell, oh Eddie Murphy right now can't have him. That's no. why he has to well, go back to uh, <laughs> that's, that's the funny thing. Eddie Professor when, 3. No,
1: <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> Our Pluto Nash. I like Pluto Nash. <laughs> I don't love it. I liked it. It was a really expensive uh, B movie. It was a great guy. I thought it was an entertaining movie. It's not my top 200, but I thought it was... I I own it. I'm hey, not going to lie.
0: There's always one. Nor, <laughs>
1: Norbit's mine. So, oh, hey. man. that's I, That has to be lower than Pluto Nash. Even though it made more money, no. But, uh, mm, did
0: you see? Pure. Yeah, well, I mean, when it was out, I couldn't uh,
1: quote I it. I saw it in the movies. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> I used shame. to be really open-minded. I used to really like things. I used to be pure. I went and here's how open-minded. <laughs> I was. I went and saw a movie. I would. You wouldn't think I'd be caught. If well, knowing me now, wouldn't be caught dead in bringing down the house incredibly racist <laughs> movie with uh, Steve Martin no, and Queen I Latifah. I love that movie. That movie's fucking horrible. <laughs> love that movie. And I sat through the whole goddamn movie. It was so bad. <laughs> Wasn't Betty White
0: the the mom, the grandma? Was that the wrong movie? Am I thinking of that? That's a different
1: one. No, you're thinking that's of, a I think you're thinking of a, of a different movie. Yeah. Who was it? Damn. Joan Plowright was in that movie. I think she was there the one. There you go, that's Who the grandma. Who in the end is like giving pounds to the black guys and yes, calling them yes, homies. Yes, I'm yes. like, oh, this is horrible. It's like the old rich white woman. It's like no, no, this is horror. On both ends. Black stereotypes, white stereotypes. She's a sassy black girl. He's an uptight white man. That's <laughs> so bad. And I went and saw it in the theater. Remember the with a friend, sat through the whole thing. She wanted to walk out too, but she thought I was enjoying it. I didn't want to leave because I thought she was enjoying it. Wow. I don't know how we thought we were both enjoying it or the other one was enjoying it because we weren't <laughs> laughing or smiling or anything, just sitting there like...
0: See, I watched it at That's home. One, That's when you just turned it off. But I I, I laughed.
1: I okay. Googled. All right, you're forgiven. Anyway, mm-hmm. Eddie Murphy. <laughs> because of how everybody's forced to make these hollow apologies, which really don't mean anything. It's just this idea of just forcing everybody to apologize. Nobody thought in the 80s, Eddie Murphy hated gay people. He made jokes about it, and everybody knew there were jokes, and it was like, he'll never work in this town again. And... Everybody understood. He's a comedian. He makes jokes. He's talking about. It. He's, he's being insensitive, you know, as far as like the you know the words he's using derogatory words to this, to um, you know describe gay men, mm-hmm. and uh, that's. But everybody understood it was a joke 30 years ago, or even Sanford and Son, one of my favorite shows, yeah. or even All in the Family, like they were. <laughs> they were. I think I have that on my phone. Hang on. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Chris plays plays music on his phone. Quincy Jones. Um. Anyway. People knew, though, back then, like, these were jokes, these were stereotypes, even the characters. Archie Bunker is not a, a character to admire. His views are out of touch. But right. well, that's and what that made it funny. Thing. Totally. Or even yeah. same thing with Fred Sanford. I mean, right. they, they called the, the cop, they called him Swanee, for fuck's sake, because he was a white cop. <laughs> I don't think anybody was like, this is hot. I'm offended. Can you believe this joke? No. Nobody cared. It wasn't a big deal. Now everybody wants to make such a big deal about everything. I mean, it's like... um. I didn't see too much of a of a buzz about it, but even the premiere of Mad Max is like, well, Mel Gibson was there. Okay. he You can say what you want about his views or whatever he said when he was drunk or whatever, but it's like that dude didn't get to the top of the, you know, he didn't become such a huge star by being a terrible person underneath it all. No. There's no way. But it's like he didn't actually hurt any, like he didn't do anything to anybody. He may have said some things that are wrong, but it, like when he was drunk, which I'm sorry, nobody in... Let's say the United States, so other other countries don't get offended. But honestly, nobody would have a job if the stuff they said when they were drunk was put out there. Not me. Yeah, see, that's <laughs> what I mean. Everybody says stupid Our stuff super. and, you know, some, uh, some uh, crazy... Mail order bride, of course, had to record it and put it out. And whatever. Or same thing with the cops. It's like, well, look, the guy's loaded. He had a pro like a like an on the record alcohol problem. Like, he didn't actually do anything to anybody. I said the same thing about Paul D. And I'm not defending these people. I'm just saying the fact that everybody gets on this bandwagon of like, let's punish this person, let's bring them down. It's like why? <laughs> Nobody's actually offended.
0: It's not necessarily well, I mean, people do get offended, but it's not necessarily that. I think that Mel Gibson did so much more. That we shouldn't just base his whole career off of something he did that long ago. Like now, it hasn't oh, yeah. been
1: a while now. That was, was that? that was that was oh seven. Wow, that was right see? around the time I first moved that's to Burbank. Crazy. That was eight years ago. It's right. like I'll never work in this town again. Right, well, and
0: I'm I want to think of Lethal Weapon too. Or,
1: I know. Right. It's like that. That's Riggs, and he's a great director. Ray like, Carl. say what you want about you know whatever movies and. Something, aside from being a great actor, which I stand by, great director, Braveheart's an amazing movie. Totally amazing. Love that movie. A Man Without a Face, another movie he directed. I really like that movie too. I don't know if people do in general, but I remember seeing that on HBO when I was a kid. I was like, "Whoa, this movie's really good." And it's on DVD somewhere in my collection. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Haven't seen it in a while, but like the dude's good. Great actor when he's on. Did you see Expendables three? Yes. Oh, I had to scene, think about that. that but scene yes, in I the did. back of the van. <laughs> With him, just him giving that, that is speech, awesome. it's like this dude's. Oh, this dude's fucking great, and he's still great. <laughs> you <laughs> know, he only does a movie, movie every couple me. of years. What's that?
0: I said Wesley Snipes made that movie for me. I was so
1: excited <laughs> well, to good to see something. him. Yeah, at working again too. <laughs> You're right. Well, I like the inside. It's like, what's he in jail? Oh, Texas. <laughs> that whole self-aware thing that they do in the Expendables movies. I love that. That's <laughs> so cool. <laughs> I like that they do that. Even, as, even in as much as the franchise itself, it's like, yeah, we're old and this is what we do. Mm-hmm. And just like in the movie, or just like in real life, rather, this is what we do best, so this is what we're going to do, everybody. Right. There's still supposed to be another one. I'm really, really excited. Oh, yeah. Speaking of which, um, getting back to the, well, not getting old, let's say. I'm not going to do another lap around that. <laughs> <laughs> when it comes to the food thing, if you don't, if anybody's watching the video and I uh, look any different, it's because social media maven and a uh, save selfie petition starter Erica Lawson is in town mm-hmm. and we've been hanging out and basically eating our way through Los Angeles. So I've, I've probably, I can't even tell you how many different size, sizes of pants I've gone through in the last I week. I believe it. It's, it's bad. I haven't eaten a meal at home in mm, I don't know, six days, something like that. So if I don't look the same, it's like, he's getting paunchy. I'm not trying to sport a dad bod. I'm not jumping on the track. you trying- are. No. <laughs> You're doing it on purpose. say that. There's
0: stuff in your face. You get the dad
1: bod. Dad bod is unacceptable if you don't have children. That's it. I'm putting it out there right now. If you have kids and you, you eat pizza and beer, you got a little, well, I call it mushroom fat if it hangs over the belt. Like women call it muffin top because it sounds cute. I have a muffin top. Mushroom fat. Okay. Not as cute. Well, I'm saying it for me. I'm not saying. I'm just saying the female equivalent's muffin top. I, I, I'm, I'm okay. not. Okay,
0: I'm not. I'm saying for with dudes you. like
1: mushroom fat. Like I probably have a little bit going after the last week. <laughs> anyway, uh, it's aside from that, it's, it's it's shy. She's actually shocked by. Um, she, she's visited Los Angeles before, but she doesn't understand how everybody's not massively overweight here just because of all the food and all the options. And now this was crazy because I saw one of these today. Every grocery store offers delivery. One of them has $5, $5 any order. Well, I mean, I'm sure there's a minimum, but there's not, I guess you can order a pallet and they will, you know, someone will back it up to your, to your door or something, or at right. least to the outside of your apartment complex. I'm like, grocery stores are delivering now. That's nuts. For, for pennies, not literally, but probably with what you spend on groceries. Like you could, it's great, a great time to be a hermit. <laughs> you can stay at home, work on your dad bod while still playing Xbox. It's great.
0: Well, I mean, everybody's not skinny out here. No, Um, no, that's a total misconception. And the people who walk everywhere and they eat kale
1: and drink kale soda. So there you go. Listen, let's not not bash kale soda. Mm. It's not that Mm -hmm. bad. That sounded disgusting. No, it was okay. Nasty. It wasn't that bad. Sherry is referring to last week where we tried kale soda (laughs) in the studio. Holy crap, we're out of time. Wow. (sighs) I know. It always goes by fast, doesn't it? It's ridiculous, but yeah, yeah, sorry, we're out of time. As <laughs> exhilarating as it is talking about, like, ah, you know, LA stereotypes, they're not true. Everybody out here is. I'm not super we're just oh, eating. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But that's why guys want to go see Skinny Stripper. Anyway, follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Cape Pod. <laughs> follow me at Chris Abalo on Twitter. And of course, go to Chrisabalo.com as well, the home for all things me. And uh, sells out on Instagram. You can follow Sherry on Twitter and Instagram at SherryBaby09. Sherry, with it. Should I be
0: like Norman? Leave me alone. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, don't leave her alone.
1: <laughs> Hashtag, wait, what's your what's the, your thing for um? What, oh, what was for the what? one you said before the the for for uh, not fit girls or whatever it was? I don't want to thickums. Thickums. That's it. <laughs> okay. At SherryBaby09, hashtag Thickums. Right. Let's get it going. Thickum <laughs> no. Pride. Thickum Day Parade. No? Um, listen. Hey, I I'm all down. I'm here to help. BBW. <laughs> Bath and Body Works? Anyway. You're right. And, of course, uh, tune into the show, 9 p.m. Keep forgetting to bring that up. 9 p.m., SkidrowStudios.com. If you catch up on the show through YouTube and iTunes, uh, you can watch the show live. During the broadcast Video and audio skidrossews.com Monday nights at 9pm And again Subscribe on iTunes Follow the show On YouTube And on the various Social media platforms Like the show On Facebook as well And of course AudibleTrial.com Slash Cape Show a little love To our first sponsor And uh, that buddy guidebook When I Left Home It's great And uh, dude's been around A lot of history Louisiana boy too So Sherry's gonna pick That one up as well (laughs) Uh, try out Audible and support the show Spread the word, like I said, subscribe and share And uh, follow us Reach out to us Oh, Pod on Tumblr as well kpod.tumblr.com So thank you for tuning in once again And until next week For Sherry Bass This is Chris Abalo, And this was yet another experiment
0: I think that there are people that learn to play by listening to my music. Those dark days wasn't dark after all.